This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Coming up at 3.30, we're going to get a look at another potential draft prospect for your Seattle Seahawks. They need a center, Dave. They need a center. So there's a, they're looking at all the mock drafts and, you know, take them for what they're worth. But there's a player out there, John Michael Schmitz, is the name that's most often attached to them. And he seems to be the premier center available in this year's draft by all the draft nicks anyway. Uh, and he plays out of the University of Minnesota. So we will speak with Mike Grimm, who is their play-by-play man, coming up at 3.30, get a little scouting report on Schmitz. But, yeah, in, I was looking at this last night, just looking at some different things with Seahawks contracts and all of that. In case you missed the news, uh, Shelby Harris is going to be out. Uh, Cody Barton has signed a one-year deal with the Commanders. Doesn't appear that Puna Ford's coming back. He's still out there. They've got a lot of holes to fill on this defense. But they don't have a center. I didn't. For some reason, I was under the impression Kyle Fuller was signed. He's an unrestricted free agent. They could still bring him back, even if he were on the roster. I don't know how great you feel about it. He just feels like, hey, if your guy gets hurt, he knows the system. You can plug him in, and you'll you'll be okay. I feel like you need better than okay at center. That's your general. That's your that's your guy calling out, you know, calling out all the blocking and everything there. There's a little more on their plate. So that's not a spot I'd like to – I think if you want to, you know, go bargain on a guard potentially, okay. But if you're talking about your center, I think I think you got to have your guy. you got to have somebody who is better than just serviceable there. Yeah, and interesting in, in other news that, um, you know, that the Cleveland Browns – signed Ethan Posick to a new deal mm-hmm. recently. So it's they had him here and he was guard center and you know kind of going back and forth. He's playing really well right now and Cleveland loves him obviously. And then the other news obviously is uh, Austin Blythe re- retiring and I think he was really he was really what you want at center. He was in command. If you ever saw any of the mic'd up segments, I think he did a couple of games, and he was just on top of everything. You know, and like you said, he's touching the ball every every play. He's calling things out, and so it's a it's a huge deal. I mean, and there, there's a we've talked so much about defensive tackles, we've talked about guards, but the the two positions that they're they're really strapped in right now. One is center, and the other is linebacker. Yeah. You know, and we'll, we'll get to that, plenty of that. But right now, I mean, and center really, I think, stands out to me. I mean, you know, Big Ray, our uh, our guy, uh, our offensive lineman guru, he'll tell you that if, you know, if you have a couple of really good, strong guards, you can sometimes make up for the center. But, you know, like you said, there's Kyle Fuller. Joey Hunt was on the um, – he's listed on their roster, and I'm not sure what his status is, but um, he's just too small. you mm-hmm. know. And that's kind of what they went through with, with Austin Blythe. He was getting manhandled a little bit on the inside. so But, you know, he obviously was done anyway. So this, this John Michael Schmitz guy will be, will be kind of interesting. Maybe they can – you know, I don't know if he's been projected. Have you seen him in, like, the last part of the first – Round. I've yeah. seen him in the second round, front part of the second round, somewhere in there. Uh, by the way, somebody was texting in about Connor McGovern. He has signed a three-year deal with the Bills, mm. so he is he is not a uh, he is no longer an option for the Seahawks at that spot. But you just that that one, you know, and that's more me just not realizing that Kyle Fuller again. I was if they went into the season going, hey, we're good, we got Kyle Fuller. I still would have been, huh? Really? Okay. 
I wouldn't have been dazzled by that. But now you don't even have that. You don't have a center on the roster. So you need that. <laughs> you need that's an important spot. So is that is that a bigger priority right now? I mean, we there's a lot of holes on defense that we've talked about, but this feels like I don't know if they go rookie there. Do you trust a rookie to be the guy to go out there and make all the line calls and, and be that guy starting day one? Or do you they need to get somebody that's a veteran to get in there and maybe they maybe they bridge the gap, you know, while the if you draft a just hypothetically, if they were to draft Schmitz, they were able to get him, maybe give him some time to learn and have this veteran in there? Yeah, I, I, I mean, it just depends on the rookie and, you know, if he's ready to play. And we'll we'll talk to Mike Grimm, like you said, and, and find out, you know, his maturity level. Just looking at him, I mean, he's he's really a tenacious blocker. And he's got some nasty in him, but he also can kind of get skinny and get through, you know, a, a slot so he can get up to the linebacker. He's pretty athletic guy, but... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know where you get that from, but again, you know, we we go back and go, yeah, we got this great draft cho- uh, draft choices last year. We've got some existing pretty decent players. We've got this great draft coming up here in in the future, and yet you go, is that enough to fill all the spots that we have? Because, and, and I think you know, you can, they're pretty happy with Phil Haynes. I mean, they they signed him. I think they feel like he can he can be one of your guards if Damian Lewis can come along. You know, I I feel like you could be. I don't want to say you know those guys are Pro Bowlers, but solid there. But yeah, the center position is. I know at one point they were really high on Kyle Fuller, but I'm not so sure. Uh, you know what's happened over the last few years. Maybe it's the lack of reps and things like that. And and I think you know, like I said, if you could get four fifths of your your offensive line where you feel pretty good because we feel pretty good about the two tackles that were rookies last year um and if you get your guard situation you know squared away you know i I just feel like if damian lewis can play like the the way he played when he was a rookie yeah we'll be good so if you're gonna have one weak spot on that line it'd be a guard wouldn't it i mean i don't want to devalue the guard but that's assuming you've got a really good player on the left of them and the right of them the center and the tackle depending on which guard we're talking about if they're both good they can help out a guy who's maybe a little less than yeah. in that spot. I just don't think center is the is the spot you skimp on or that you say, we'll be fine. We can make do. I don't think you make do with a center. I think that spot carries a little more weight. Yeah. Well, I would love for them to in in the you know just kind of planning things out where they need to get all these players from. I feel like you know if if that top pick if you can get a defensive tackle like Jalen Carter I, I would feel pretty good um, we talked about that uh, Osiris Torrance kid out of Florida who's a really good looking guard you know if you could maybe get him at 20 and then a guy like this maybe somewhere in the front part of the second round I'd feel like you address some pretty pretty good needs there but they're still linebacker and they're still defensive tackle or defensive end. Yeah, it feels like they've got a lot of needs. It really does all of a sudden. Well, and especially <laughs> when you start seeing all these people, you know, like look at look at San Francisco, you know, the, they signed Javon Hargrave. They didn't need that. Yeah. Like, you know, somebody should come in and just like slap their hand away and say, "No, you don't even need that." All right? <laughs> You've That's had enough. Fair. You've yeah. had enough cookies. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it does all of a sudden start to feel like that, but again, it's not like the Seahawks are going oh this happened so now we're going to do this oh and just reacting mm-hmm. you know we've talked to john about this that they've got you know plan a b c all through all the way through z probably for everything that they're they're trying to address right now i'm just curious what would be the the priorities as far as what they they need to address right now as far as holes go man it seems like center's I'd, I'd one say of them. center would be right at this moment 
number one, just because you don't have one. You've got other guys. We can talk about Monet and we can talk about, you know, Mafe and Taylor and guys who can, now Woods is there. So you've got guys, you know, whether they're the right guys or enough of them, that's a different story. You don't even you don't have a single center on the roster, so so would you say that's your your one position as, that you're most sit, worried as we sit right about? now? I would say it's your biggest priority, but it's yeah. one spot where you've got multiple spots on the D line. Yeah, you know, but you've got you've got guys. It's more about how do you feel about you know again Monet and the, and those guys there. So yeah, you you your biggest overall need is defense, but you you need a center. Well, hey. when you start looking at that now, I'm like. Do you even need a guy like Osiris Torrance, who's a guard? I mean, I, I think the priority might be center. And then for me, I, I to me, it's linebacker. I think you, that's the most pressing need that you – and it's not just because I played that. It's just because who do you have? Well, who do they have right now? Jordan well, Brooks. Tan, is Tanner Muse signed? Tanner sure. Muse, John Radigan, who I really liked. But, I mean, I can't make a case for him being the starter. Same thing with Tanner Muse. I mean, they've got – Nick Ballore, who we like as a guy, and he's a, he's that Swiss Army knife. But yeah, I don't know. Do you look at him as a starting linebacker? I don't. I don't think you feel great about that. Yeah, obviously not. I thought he was really good in the preseason. A couple of times that I saw him last preseason, he did not have a good uh, a preseason. But I mean, he's an incredibly valuable player on your team. No question about that. It's just that you know, I don't. I don't. I think he's kind of an emergency linebacker at this point. Yeah, yeah, and that's how I I kind of view him as well. I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at Spotrax. Uh, 2023 breakdown for the Seahawks of like what each player is getting, and I don't see Tanner Muse or John Radigan on this list, so I'm wondering if those are both free agents. Yeah, unrestricted. Uh, they are still on on the roster anyway. I mean, if you look at you know, and so let's just run down linebackers real quick. I mean, they've, they've got a number of them. <laughs> There's a lot of them. That Galaspia kid. You know, obviously Jordan Brooks, uh, Nick Ballore, no longer Cody Barton. Um, Chris Garrett, I uh, mentioned Colin Gillespie is a really good special team player. Um, there's that Daryl Johnson, uh, Vi Jones is a is a pretty decent player. But I mean, look, we're talking about starting linebackers here, uh, and especially at the second level. To me, right now, if you don't have Jordan Brooks and Cody Barton's gone, John Radigan is probably your best linebacker that you have right now. So that's where you know, I'm like, okay, center, maybe you get a couple of guards and you can protect the center a little bit if he can just get the, the snap off and you know maybe gets help from the quarterback. Gino's really dialed into all the protections and things like that. You don't have to rely on him too much. But, yeah, linebacker to me is, is the one that now, especially with Cody Barton signing today with the, the commanders, that that's the one that really is, is pressing. Yeah, Tanner Muse is a restricted free agent. This year, okay. so <clears throat> we'll see what they what they do with that. But yeah, you're right. They don't, you know, you've got an injured Jordan Brooks is what you you know you have in the way of a line. Like when this guy's healthy, we know what he brings. He's a starter. He's a playmaker. That's it. And he's not healthy right now. Yeah. So is it now? Does that become Bobby Wagner? Does that be? And even Bobby, with all due respect to who he's been and you know, the greatest linebacker in the history of the organization, all of that, that's a temporary fix. That's, is he is he back here for multiple years? You know that the, you're bringing in Bobby is is sort of I look at that as an emergency, a guy who you know who knows you who's still got some gas in the tank, but he's he's not a long term solution. So, you know, they yeah they they've got 
They've got a few pressing needs here, Dave. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and the other thing, and you see how I, you know, was very clever here, sort of shifted the talk from offensive line to linebacker yeah, because linebackers very... are more important. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they need a center. To, somebody's got to snap the ball, Dave. That's true. That's true. Uh, but yeah, Jordan Brooks. Yeah, it was like in Moneyball. It's like, well, right now, uh, when somebody throws the the ball to first base, there's not going to be any anyone there to catch it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the center. There's nobody to snap the ball. But if look at Jordan Brooks. I mean, I, I think he is a, a really good, solid player. But his is he like a superstar? Uh, you know, I I hope he can be that. He's not yet. He's but, not that extra meeting guy yet. Yeah, I mean, he's got he doesn't doesn't have any interceptions. Um, he has a couple of sacks. And a bunch of tackles. And and he really is productive as far as the tackles go. He's, you know, 184, 161 last year. When you, and more importantly, you like where where he makes the tackles. Yeah, he's he attacks the line of scrimmage. He's got lots of tackles for loss, you know, uh, about five a year. Okay, so 15 tackles for loss. He's got a couple fumble recoveries. But, you know, and I know a lot of people compare him to Patrick Queen, who was drafted, I believe, ahead of him. Or no, behind him. Uh, with the Ravens, and I don't know that he's a good, solid guy that can play the way Jordan does and take on blocks and attack the line of scrimmage. But he makes a ton of plays. Mm-hmm. He's got interceptions and touchdown, and a, you know all kinds of sacks and tackles for loss and things like that. So, yeah, that's kind of who who Jordan's up against. But I think he's a great player. I think he's a great leader. But you know, I'm waiting to see him develop into a superstar like Bobby, where he makes plays on the on the ball. Yeah. And this sets him back a little bit with this ACL deal. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what what they've got planned. Does that? I'm wondering, does this? And we can get into this more later. But the idea that we're looking at a number of holes, whether we're talking center, guard, defensive line, linebackers, you know, all these spots that you got to fill. Again, I don't think you count on draft picks to fill all of those spots. Does, but does that does that lead you to believe that maybe it's more likely they trade out of that spot and accumulate more draft capital? Yeah, we're going to bring in some veterans. Obviously, you need some proven commodities, but we have so many spots that need to be filled. We're gonna we're gonna accumulate more. I mean, you got ten draft picks as it is right now. I don't know how many they realistically need that are going to actually make this team and make an impact. How long does Pete have left on his contract? I What'd think you he's say, got 20, 24, 25. Yeah. Yep, uh, through 2025, and I think John is through 2027, the GM, John Schneider. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's enough time for them to do what you just said, load up on, on rookies and bring them along and, you know, say, hey, these are, these are our guys. And if they're drafting high and they've, you know, have these high draft choices in the first and second round, maybe they can get something done there. But, yeah, all of a sudden it does seem like, you know, and I think this is a little bit of panic because everybody else is making these moves. You know, you see an inside linebacker taken, you see, uh, you know, defensive uh, tackle taken, all that stuff, and the Seahawks aren't doing anything. And you look at a couple of positions like linebacker and center, and you're like, you really don't have anybody. Yeah, yeah, it's kind like of literally you don't have anybody. Right. It's not. It's not that we're disappointed with who you do have. There's yeah. just not a, a person occupying that spot currently. Well, you know, especially if you look at linebacker, no one that started anyway. I think Kyle mm. Fuller started a couple of games, but yeah, it's uh, it's all of a sudden feeling that way. But you know, they've got a good draft coming up here, and I think that's that's a big part of it. And we'll see if they're able to go. We always, I think, the standard always is Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett. If you no. can get a couple of guys of that caliber that kind of fly under the radar, and you get just a ton out of them. By the way, have, did you notice our guy Brent Stecker's hat today? His bright red Canadian hat. Yeah, what what's he doing? 
He's he's What's he's a, Team Canada for for the uh, World Baseball Classic. He's full Team Canada. So he's he's got that out there. Have you been watching? I've I've caught the highlights. I mean, the games are kind of. I think they're kind of all over, you yeah. know, on Fox Sports One, Fox Sports Two, MLB Network. So it's a little harder to to isolate who and when and where. But uh, you, you had Venezuela uh, win; they they beat the Dominican Republic. They had almost thirty six thousand in attendance. The so one thing I do love, and you see it in any of these highlights, whether you're watching the games or not, is the crowds go bananas. Mm. It's it's like a football game. It's it's much like a, a college football game atmosphere. Would you agree with that, Thumb? That it's it's kind of that just incessant oh, the, noise. It's the just scene going. at U.S. Mexico last night was wild. They it's it's 50, like college football. Nearly fifty thousand. Where yeah. was that game played? In uh, Arizona. So it was down in Arizona. one of the, the there's two U.S. brackets. One is in Phoenix, and one is in Miami. Right. And so the Dominican and all those teams in that pool are in Miami. Then the USA's pod is in uh, Phoenix. Gotcha. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, the only thing I did, I just kind of looked at box scores. I was looking at, uh, like, the, you know, the Japanese team. I saw the other night, it was, uh, I think it was... Otani hit a home run. Yeah, it was Sunday. Japan versus Australia. Otani, one for two, four RBIs, two walks, and a home run. So He's pretty good. I, I think he's got he's a future. Okay. Yeah. But you know the the really encouraging thing, and I there was so much going on this week. I mean, we got all the NFL news, we got the NCAA tournament, and actually we should mention the Cougs were the Cougs. I think they were a number two seed in the NIT, uh, but they got the NIT coming up, so that was on. But the the one thing I, I noticed was Matt Brash. Now I don't know who he was pitching against, but Canada beat Great Britain eighteen to eight. But he came in for one inning. Three strikeouts, and the thing that really stood out to me, 12 pitches, 10 of them were strikes. So, I mean, that's been the thing with Matt Brash is that... You love him. He's his, your guy. His control. Yeah, I'm very fascinated by him. I, I feel like they're talking about like MLB history, about his slider, the yeah, movement Yeah, the guy on from it. Driveline, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I, I just think that's interesting that 10 of the 12 pitches he threw were strikes, and so that's been his big bugaboo right is his command and so but again yeah i don't know who he's pitching against uh, in the green uh great britain i almost said green green bay <laughs> green i have bay. it down as gb and i'm like yeah green bay green bay their team's yeah. not so great i haven't heard much about but, it yeah great britain i don't i don't i'm not sure if they got players we got mike ford on yeah. that team but anyway yeah harry it was, ford it was interesting harry ford yeah Mike Ford's on up with the big club with the Mariners. There you go. Journeyman. Uh, but uh, you got Julio out there representing his country, uh, leading off against Venezuela. This was on Saturday. 3-2. Rodriguez hard hit, base hit. This is the first hitter of the first game of this tournament for these two teams. Listen to this place. It's electric, dead. It is. Listen to that roar. That's Amazing. The, that's the first, as he said, first hitter, the first game. It's, I mean, it, these guys are maniacs. These fans are way into it. Then you had uh, Gino Suarez out there with an RBI single. Suarez. Line drive. Pass a reach of Franco. Into right center field. It's another run for Venezuela. I think if anything, you walk away from this, whether you are you have a rooting interest or not, you're just looking at individual players you're rooting for, or if you're all just Team USA, whatever your your interest is, you see the interest worldwide, how popular this sport actually is. And we always hear about, well, you know, at least in this country, it's uh, older fans and it's very regional and all of this. Well, they A, they make a 
boatload of money. Baseball generates a ton of money. I believe they generate more than the NBA, by the way. I believe they're number two to the to the NFL. Huh. Um, and that's based on a lot of TV deals. But they, it's it, worldwide, you, you just see the passion for the sport. You see how much it means and how invested these people are, these fans are. It's, it's really cool to see. And I didn't see any pitch clocks or anything like that. Do, do anybody track the the time? Uh, there, they've had some long games. They they use the old rules still. Yeah. So yeah, they which, had some long games. Which like that eighteen to eight one. Which apparently a lot of people are okay with. I'm just they saying. Are, anyway, I'm just saying <laughs> they're not feeling cheated out of their eighty-one hours or whatever it is. Dave. Thirty-six thousand people there were pretty excited about about the game. There. Well, and then so. the, the Mexico U.S. game forty-seven thousand five hundred. The uh, U.S. Great Britain game almost forty thousand there. So you've got packed stadiums and they are packed with people that are ready just to unleash, which is pretty cool. Pretty cool to see as a baseball fan. So uh, I think it, I think it speaks to the just overall the global popularity. Regardless of how you may feel, it, it it is received here. That's it's a huge thing. It's a it's a very big deal, and we know John Morosi will be more than excited to discuss it with us when we have him on this week. Well, and that's why you know, like uh, stars like Otani that, yeah. that come over here, why it's it's huge because yeah, a lot of support for for baseball worldwide. All right, coming up, we're going to learn more about a possible center prospect for the Seahawks team. Minnesota play-by-play man Mike Grimm will join us next here with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on Seven Ten. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well, Dave, we've been talking a lot about Seahawk needs, of which there seem to be many on the defensive side of things. But what one of their pressing needs is a center. They do not have a center on the roster as we speak right now. And a guy who could fill that spot is uh, is John Michael Schmitz. And somebody who knows him better than anybody knows what he does out there, watches every play, calls every play. He is the play-by-play man for the University of Minnesota. Mike Grimm is with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. How are you, sir? Hey, doing great. Pleasure to be on with you guys. Thank you. Hey, it's uh, it's good to talk to you. We appreciate you taking the time, and and uh, it feels like you know just looking. I don't know how much stock you put into mock drafts, but we go through a million of them, and they're kind of fun conversation pieces. But the seems like John Michael Schmitz is the guy in in terms of that spot, that position center, the the first to be mentioned, the first off the board, if you will. What, what, give us a give us a scouting report on him. Is he worthy of that title? Is he a guy that you think at the NFL level is is going to be somebody worth taking maybe late in the first round? I do think so. I think, you know, center is one of those, if you get the right guy, you draft a center, right, and he turns out, you can have a starter for 10 years. And I think John Michael Schmitz could fit that bill absolutely. Um, even here locally in the Twin Cities, Vikings fans are kind of hoping that they, they need a center as well. So, you know, they, they could um, potentially be in that market also, although they have, you know, needs everywhere as well as, as all teams may. But, yeah, I, the, the kid has a great story. He was a verbal commit to P.J. Fleck when Fleck was at Western Michigan. The kid's from Chicago. Um, and when P.J. got the Minnesota job, he asked John Michael Schmitz and some others who had been committed to him at Michigan or at Western Michigan to come over and um, some of those kids uh, turned into be really good football players. And, and because of COVID and injuries and different things, there's still a few that are going to be back next year. But John Michael Schmitz went from being a, a player that was going to play in the MAC. He had no Big Ten offers. P.J. Fleck took the chance to bring him over. And by the time he was in the middle of his sophomore year, um, he was not a starter, but he was playing enough to where coach, the coaching staff was 
they just had no choice but to play him. And so, in essence, he supplanted a two-year starter at center. They moved him to guard. Uh, a kid named Connor Olson was the two-year starter at center. They moved him to guard. He ended up, because of COVID and different things, ended up being the guy who has started more Big Ten game footballs than anyone, talking about Connor Olson. Now, that tells you how good John Michael Schmitz is. As a sophomore, he supplanted this guy. Uh, they said, we got to get him on the field. And he never looked back. He started every game since. Um, he's one of those guys, you see this occasionally, that is a softy off the field. Like, he's just a good dude. Like, you'd want to hang out with him. I've interviewed him, you know, it seems like a million times. And good answers, thoughtful answers. But is he ever violent on the football field? Like, he seeks out violence and wants to do damage to anybody and he's not going to be intimidated. And, yeah, I think he's got a nice future in the NFL for sure. Well, Mike, t- tell us about that uh, the nasty side, because I agree that's exactly how you should be. should be a sweetheart off the field and then kind of uh, somebody that everybody hates on the other side of the ball. I saw him yeah. bury a couple of linebackers, and, yeah, that uh, you've been around him, I guess, when he's in that mode. Tell us about uh, that, that part of it. Yeah, he's always in that mode. I mean, I, you know, part of it is the blocking scheme is is favorable for the center in this situation, but he always has an angle on a guy. He always figures out a way to create leverage. And, you know, I, I haven't read a lot of the scouting reports, so just based on what I see, I just don't see a lot of weakness. Um, you know, I, I guess I somebody said, well, he's he's old for, for being, you know, a rookie. But to me, that's fine. I mean, he's right at the prime. Like, you're paying a guy at his prime a rookie contract. Why, you know, that to me, that would be attractive, frankly. Like, you don't want to go through two or three years of growing pains. I think he's NFL ready now. And, and so you're, you're getting a guy in the middle of, you know, he's, what, 23 or 24. I don't know exactly. So I don't even think that's a negative necessarily that – you know, you're not drafting a 22 year old. It's a, it's a guy that, 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 that's a little more mature. So that's good. I thought he got, you know, robbed out of the, the, uh, Remlinger, uh, Remlinger trophy, the, um, uh, Remington trophy, I should say, that, that, that goes to the top center. Uh, the Michigan kid won it and that was totally, and that kid's good. He's probably going to be an NFL guy too, but that was mostly based on um, a kid that played for a helmet school that made the playoffs because when it came time for the Big Ten coaches and the Big Ten media to vote all Big Ten, John Michael Schmitz was the first team all Big Ten center, but the kid from Michigan won the Remington. So, um, you know, this guy's got it all, and he does have that nasty streak. He likes to pancake guys. He likes to be violent. Uh, the kid from Iowa the year before, Tyler Linderbaum, probably was a little faster in terms of just sheer speed. And, um, you know, I think he had a nice rookie year at Baltimore, and I, I think that's probably a decent comp. And, look, if you're getting a kid like John Michael Schmitz, if he can play like Tyler Linderbaum, both, you know, in that mid to later first round, early second round kind of spot, um, you know, that would be anything but a wasted pick, that's for sure. So what would you – is there an area you look at and say, all right, to, to truly carry his game over at the next level, this part of it needs to improve? What part of his game do you look at that you think is, is up for improvement, if any part? Yeah, you know, no, I'm, I'm not an evaluator, so I'll just go off what, you know, some other people have said. And then the, some of my observations, I, I probably just pure brute strength, right? He's, he's not going to just knock you off, um, you know, your drawers if you watch him. I mean, he's a strong kid. Obviously, he's got a nice base. But, you know, I, I think that um, maybe he would struggle in situations where, you know, somebody's going to line, you know, one of those big dudes, uh, you know, 
uh, is it Tyrell Lawrence, who, um, who who the Giants have, the kid from Clemson who gave the Vikings fits in the playoffs. You know, a guy like that he might struggle with just out of pure strength, but I, I bet most centers are not going to have a field day with that kid, right? So maybe just pure brute strength, but in terms of gaining leverage, in terms of a mean streak, in terms of I want to beat you up, uh, you know, he, he's got it. And I, I like the fact that he's a little older, quite honestly. Like I said, I think he's been around the block. He started over 30 Big Ten football games. He's played at an all-conference level for three seasons. Um, and, and he's got a good story. You know, like I said, he was a kid that didn't have any Big Ten offers, and he just came in and said, I'm just going to earn my playing time to the point where the Gopher coaches just said, we got to get him out there. So all of that to me adds up to a kid that's going to have success in the uh, in the National Football League. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind the age at all. I was I was twenty three when I came in into the NFL. I don't. Yeah, I, yeah it's just. I mean, redshirt uh, freshman age, and you mentioned the maturity, but uh, well, you I, were an old man. I Come wasn't. On. I wasn't very mature. But uh, <laughs> but well, what about this, Mike? You know, we always talk about we we have a you know an ex teammate of mine that comes on who's an offensive lineman he always says hey i want a guy who's who has a phd in whatever position he's playing whether it's center or guard or tackle and a lot of times the interior guys move around a little bit is he always been a center or is there has he did he play a little bit of guard at one point or is this his like his major this is his major. If there's a guy that has a Ph.D. at center, this is the guy. Like I said, he supplanted a two-year starter. They moved that guy to guard. They didn't leave him at center um, because they liked what John Michael Smith could do at center. And, you know, and as you guys know, uh, the center is a pretty valuable piece of the offensive line. They make the line calls. They're pointing out you know, who the linebackers are and all that stuff. You know, I don't know all of that stuff. But, you know, there's times where John Michael Schmitz is yelling out stuff that the the play clock is down to two or three, and he's watching that, and he knows when to snap it and calling, you know, to the teammates. Like, his teammates, to me, that that's something that, uh, that the way his teammates rave about his leadership, that's another avenue. Because the center does. He's, you know, it's the old cliche. He's the quarterback of the offensive line. But John Michael Schmitz epitomized that. I mean, you know, when you start that many games and you watch the way the film, uh, the, the film, the way that uh, the, the Gophers are a well-coached team, this PJ Fleck uh, outfit, they're very highly organized and they do a lot of film work and require a lot of film work. And there, there's, there's uh, more to this. And he's got a really good offensive line coach here as well and Brian Callahan, who's produced a bunch of dudes in the NFL over the years, even from places like Western Michigan and such. And so, yeah, I think to use that term, there's no question he's got a Ph.D. at center uh, to the point where the the teammates rave about him. Um, He moved a two-year starter out of center because he was the best center on the team. And so uh, could he play guard? I suppose he could. But to me, this guy is a, is a prototypical center that, that can give some franchise a starter from day one. Mike, good stuff. We really appreciate you taking some time with us. Thank you so much for that. You got it. Always enjoy it. Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks, and, uh, and enjoy Seattle. You got it. Thank you. There you go. Mike Grimm, voice of the University of Minnesota. A little preview of John Michael Schmitz, who will join us on Friday. Can we say that? Is that, is that thumbs not paying attention? Yeah. Okay. He uh, he's going to join us on Friday. Okay, How so about that? We'll we talk to, to John talk Michael to Schmitz and uh, 
See if he's nasty when we talk to him. See how mean he is to us. Hopefully he's he's not nasty on air. He'll just hang up on us, call us a bunch of sissies. (laughs) If you want him to be nasty, put him in a uniform. David, go, that's my guy. I like it. He hung up on us, called me a softie. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, All right, our thanks to Mike Grimm. Coming up, uh, another injury to a starting pitcher shows why the Mariners might have the best pitching situation in baseball. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Our thanks to Mike Grimm, the voice of the uh, University of Minnesota, who joined us in the previous segment, giving us a little scouting report on John Michael Schmitz, a center coming out of Minnesota, who, if you look at the mock drafts, appears to be the first center. Off the board, yeah. it doesn't look like that's a real deep position. I know a lot of guards will sometimes switch to center, what have you, but those that are that are being uh, identified as strictly a center, he seems to be the top guy out there. It, it kind of sucks that the, you know, you look at defensive tackle, kind of thin yeah. in this draft, and that's what the Seahawks need. Center, that's what they need, kind of thin. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and then, you know, I asked him that question about the PhD, which Ray Roberts always talks about, and mm-hmm. we might get Ray on later on. He's a little under the weather right now, so good thoughts to Big Ray. But, uh, yeah, I, he's he took a look at him and took a look at that Osiris Torrance kid from Florida who's a guard. So, yeah, just a couple of those holes that we talked about that, that needs to be filled. Yeah, so if you missed that conversation, it's uh, it'll be available on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. You guys can text in throughout the show, 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Many, many, many people sending in their condolences to you, Dave, for the departure of Cody Barton. For those of you that missed it and just tuned in, Cody Barton has signed a one-year deal with the Washington Commanders. So uh, no terms on the deal that I've seen financially anyway, just a one-year deal. So I, I, I honestly, I'm excited. He's yeah, got a for him. Pro- prove it deal there. It's all guaranteed. He's going to uh, play for Jack Del Rio, who I always admired as not only a coach, but especially as a player. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, yeah, it's going to be a, a one-year deal for him. That's uh, I'll be very curious to see how he plays behind that in that defense. Because, what round did the Seahawks pick him in? Uh, second. Second round pick. I believe. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, him and Marquise Blair, another, remember, I just, that guy in camp in 2020, I was like, man, this guy is playing really well. But both guys out of Utah is the reason I bring it up. Just incredible, just did not work out. Yeah, we'll we'll see how they fill the spots. Lots of spots, lots of opportunity to compete, as Pete likes to say. There's going to be a lot of competition with the Seahawks roster, by God. Uh, meanwhile, in the world of baseball, we always talk about this with pitchers. I'm always, even when the, when the Mariners signed Luis Castillo to a, an extension, I love it. I love it. It's not my money. There's no salary cap. I'm always nervous when yeah. it comes to pitchers. You're just... They get. I mean, we we saw uh, uh, James Paxton get hurt here after 24 pitches. By the way, he's already hurt again this year with I think was it a hamstring or something. I mean, he's a little different. He's a guy that a just hamstring. Yeah, he just can't stay healthy, man. Okay, well, I'm sorry. I know there's some pitchers out there that would tell me how the hamstring comes into play, but uh, <laughs> you're, it's you're, usually when you're running. You've got your doubts right now. Well, I, I don't have <laughs> doubts. I'm sure he's got a pulled hamstring. I'm just curious how he how he uh, got that. Yeah, I don't I don't know how it happened, but it happened. I always used to say, Bob, I, I wasn't fast enough to pull a hamstring. I don't think he was running. I don't know. For the... And then we saw, boy, we saw our guy Mitch Hanniger out with, what, an oblique strain, I think. And, and uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's got a soggy sh- shoulder. J.P. Crawford has a soggy yeah. shoulder, so he, he will just be DHing, I think, in the game coming up. So his his shoulder is soggy. Uh, and then Carlos Rodon, who was a big acquisition by the Yankees, a $162 million deal he signed with the Yankees, will start the 2023 season, his first with the Yankees on the injured list because of a left forearm muscle strain. So uh, he underwent an MRI, it revealed a mild strain of, I'm not even going to, Attempt to pronounce it, but uh, some forearm muscle. <laughs> it's a u- ubulus no, muscle. No, it's harder than the, the brachioridalis <laughs> uh, something or other. Yeah. Uh, and it's similar to one he apparently suffered last year while with the Giants. So uh, obviously you're going to err on the side of caution, and maybe it's not a real serious thing. But that's a guy you just invested $162 million in. Excited to have him in your rotation. And he's going to start the year on the IL. And yeah. that's just the nature of pitching. That's, that, what, that's what makes... Last year, so crazy for the Mariners that you had every one of your starters go the whole year. Nobody missed a start. You did have the switch, obviously, that we've talked about with Brash got the start at the beginning of the year. He struggled with his command. He gets sent down. Kirby gets called up. Kirby became your guy. And everybody made all their starts. And then they they shuffled it again when they signed Luis Castillo. But nobody, there was none of the soggy arm. There was none of the forearm strain. There was none of the sore elbow or anything, which... I expect this year, to be honest, and it's not trying to be doomsday. It's just trying to be like, this is how it goes typically in baseball every year. And yeah. last year was such an outlier. And the Mariners are in a good spot right now. Flexen looks great in spring training. I know it's just spring, but he just looks like he always does. Not overpowering, but just effective. Bryce Miller, kid. Yeah, he looks, looks good. Looks pretty good. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you've got Marco having a pretty good spring so far. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, what uh, Matt Brash was a starter. Mm-hmm. Now he's a, he's a bullpen guy. But, I mean, I'm just saying that, like, in an absolute emergency, I guess. Yeah, I feel like they're fairly well stocked. There. Yeah, they're in, a good, they're in a good spot. Hopefully they don't need to test their depth. You know, like, all right, let's get Brash stretched out. Let's get this guy, because Brash, you wouldn't throw him in there now. He's not stretched out to be a guy who's going to go, you know, three or four innings if somebody goes no. down, or four or five innings if somebody goes down, it's going to take some time. Yeah, so, he'd get soggy shoulder. Yeah, you don't want soggy shoulder, soggy arm. Then Nobody wins with that. So there. weird. But isn't it, it, I mean, you just see how it just it just happens. It just, it, it feels inevitable. And when it doesn't happen, it's more the surprise, unfortunately. So the, last year was just amazing for this Mariners rotation. I love their rotation. But if I had to bet in Vegas, are they going to go through another year where nobody misses a start? Well, no. I, I just don't think that's realistic. But I like the position that they're in in terms of their depth. If something happens, if somebody has to miss a start or two or three, it feels like they've got insurance there. Now we'll see if any deals are made You know, as guys like this get hurt, as other guys get hurt in spring training. Does Flexen become that much more attractive to another team? Does Marco become that much more attractive? Do they see a deal there that they can't pass up? Or do they look at it and say, hey, we we like our depth. We need that depth. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see how they handle it moving forward. But they're in a good spot, and right now the Yankees aren't. And we've already heard about, you know, Jacob deGrom, the Marin- or Mariners, the Rangers signed him to a big deal. He's already got – he's had injury concerns. He's already dealt with some injuries so far. So it's just – 
it just speaks to what we already know about starting pitching or just any pitching at all at the major league level and how fragile it is, Dave. Yep. You can get soggy at any time. At any time. It's coming for you. Soggy arm coming for you. Stay dry, Seattle. Stay dry. Coming up, free agency is off to a rapid start around the league. We're going to talk to Bob Condota about all of that, along with some other things the Seahawks have done. That's coming up with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.